It's Sunday, it's 12, it must be the Bookworm on Fab Radio International. Happy 2016. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, This is Nympha Hayes, and I'm here with the lovely... Del, hello. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. (laughs) It's been a very long time since we did this live. (laughs) (laughs) It's people's favourite duo. What will they come up with? Where is Ed? Did you stuff him in the cupboard? (laughs) We love you, Ed. <laughs> it was the moment when Ed said he wasn't free and we both said we were. It was like, are they going to let this happen? Again? <laughs> um, the last time the space continuum like wobbled. <laughs> wobbled. There's only so much you can have that many disagreements on one show. <laughs> but, but the awesome, Dale, the awesome is just off the charts. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> books, this is what we're here for. So today we have um, shed loads of news because we haven't oh, been live for a while. <laughs> Like, we have half an hour worth of news, so, you know, sit down comfortable, get a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> and um, I'll be reviewing Magnus Chase and the Sword of Summer by Rick Riordan of Percy Jackson fame. And I'll be reviewing Michael Grant's Gone, which is the first book from the Gone series. Fabulous. But first, it's the news. This is Fab Radio International. International. Across the world, 24 hours a day. Potential, gentle, and violent reader. <laughs> <laughs> the news are upon us, and what news indeed? I'm not sure it's what a violent good. reader is. I'm not trying to encourage we, that. We don't discriminate. You know, the people who rip the pages out of the book as they finish. <laughs> No, no, see, to me, it's the, the the person that, like, vehemently closes the book at the end of the page because they didn't get the ending they wanted. Like, what have you done, author? <laughs> I shall hunt you down. Book news. Oh, yeah, news. sorry. These are all news. Yeah, this is, to be fair, the first thing we're going to talk about is this... Is, it's that, violence. It's probably relating to violent, violent uh, readers and TV so watchers. So, for those of you who weren't aware, Winds of Winter, the next book in the Game of Thrones series, ha- is going to miss the TV deadline. Why is that, you ask? No, you don't ask, because you know exactly <laughs> what the issue is. Everyone knows. Um, George R. R. Martin's latest Winter Storming. is coming, but the words aren't. Yes. <laughs> 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 but yes, the issue is um, uh, Martin, George R. R. Martin um, missed his Halloween deadline to present the manuscript. Um, then he missed his New Year's deadline. <laughs> and so we're now into 2016 and the, um, the book isn't done yet. Uh, I'm guessing and I'm hoping that he's liaising with he, the TV show so that they don't just go somewhere no, I, else. He, oh, he did that a long time mm-hmm. ago. They, they, he, he's worked with them, hasn't he, to be like, this is where... My going. stories are going, yeah. um, but obviously, because from what I've, again, I I haven't. Oh, I don't watch a TV show. Um, See, I've watched, I've, watched, I've, watched, I've watched the show. I haven't read the book. Yeah, and like from what I've heard, the TV series is already different. Yes, I, um, I believe they've already diverged. So because of the fact that, well, if you think about it, George started writing Game of Thrones, the first novel, in 1991. It got published in 1996. That means that when the fifth book got published in two. 2011 that was 20 years after he oh, started yeah. working Blimey. on these series you can't that's I, quite I just, a you can't rate, be angry with someone who's trying to make a, a good saga. product yeah, yeah and, and he's trying saga, to do it well and um if it's a tv like show were willing to do that words like it, the smallest one is like over a thousand pages words, pages wow it's like that's, that's it's just yeah. a chunky big juicy book and there's yeah. loads going on and I do understand where he's coming from yeah I mean yeah. We, we, we have copies of the books of Bookworm Towers and they could kill you oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, 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 I don't think that anyone who 
is a fan of the books, um, not just a fan of the TV shows, is surprised by this. Yeah. <laughs> and fans of the TV show don't need to be worried about it because no, they've always covered for this. Yes. Um, because as well, like, his his health isn't always brilliant. This no, is all, no, they're, they're no. sensible people. This is something they've always he been prepared for. He also has quite a lot of engagements. Like, he's mm. quite quite um, sought after as, as an author. Uh, he's done a few anthologies in between because obviously as an author, you can't just be expected to just do the one thing you know he, he branches no. out he does different things he's done his anthologist you know the the fantasy for women um where, where women are, are protagonists and stuff which were really good mm-hmm. uh, and short stories here and there so absolutely go do your thing we're all behind you i'm we're yeah. sure it's going to be amazing uh sixth season of game of thrones premieres in april uh, for those of you who have like sky and and all of those shiny things um <laughs> I don't. Shiny I'm a ne- sky. I'm a Netflix kind of girl. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so you know, hold on tight. It, it, winter is coming eventually. <laughs> but, it is coming. But it's just going to Very be a little slowly. longer. It's an interesting one. In it, will this be the first time that fans haven't been able to read the book before watching? Yes. This yes. is the first time the TV show is going to be ahead. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. But as you say, they've already diverged. Yeah. So it's not, it's not something to be scared of. No. Really. I think it's more a thing of... Yeah. Dear God, please produce another book for us because it has been some considerable time and we would like to know what happens next. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it's been some considerable time and I don't think that's ever not going to be the case. So no. Yeah. no. Get used to it. Um, next lovely piece of news. Um, Ray Bradbury is being honoured <laughs> in Internet Error Code. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think honoured. I think it's a, really, it's a really wonderful thing and it's a really wonderful thing that most people won't get. Um, there is now going to be a censorship error code online and it's going to be 451 Yay. error. So anytime you read 451 error, that's a censorship error uh, based on Fahrenheit 451, which is kind of Ray Bradbury's, I'd say, almost most... Most famous book. Yes. It's a dystopian... It's a dystopian story um, about kind of... Well, dystopian America, whereby uh, kind of books are outlawed. Yeah. Uh, People... There are people called firemen whose jobs it is to burn books that they (gasps) find. I know it's it's a... It's a sad, sad thing. It's... it's, Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's about kind of how how society would be if books kind of didn't exist um and it's it's amazing uh obviously censorship is a difficult thing to police so it's not going to come up all the time but obviously there are certain sites out there that cannot produce the content they want to and are forced to censor things based on certain laws so um things like twitter facebook google github um i've potentially said that wrong sorry I've, i've only ever seen it written down um so those sorts of things will start having the 451 error which is i think really awesome <laughs> um, and is really cool so now anytime i see that i'm gonna do a little squeeze and smile <laughs> yeah uh, in not so happy news no. um science fiction writer george clayton johnson has died aged 86 he was mostly known for co-writing logan's run with william f nolan he obviously logan's run was also um oscar nominated movie he panned the first episode of star trek <laughs> and wrote the Twilight Zone episodes Kick the Can and Nothing in the Dark. Um, he also collaborated with Ray Bradbury in, yep. in on the 1962 Oscar-nominated animated short film Icarus Montgolfier Wright. Um, so he's, he's survived two children and his wife, Lola Johnson, and we send them the, um, our warmest wishes yeah, and, and our sympathies. Really tender sympathies. Um, I think especially... Logan's Run is one of those stories that even people who haven't necessarily read it are aware of how important it is to the science fiction genre. And I'd say it's it's not so much a cult film as almost an, an essential yes. film. Everybody it's, has seen it and you know it and it, it's, it's an important story um, and a wonderful kind of legacy to leave behind, I think, yes. to the world. And, and continuing on the sad news wagon, uh, fantasy author Peter Dickinson has also died at 88. Um, he was an um, award-winning writer, um, best known for his Carnegie Medal-winning books Tolko and City of Gold. Uh, he was born in Africa but educated in England and began his career by writing the satirical magazine Punch. Oh. Uh, he wrote over 60 books and his work have been <coughs> translated into 53 languages. 
oh my god 2016 come on enough <laughs> now <laughs> no. to be fair I think a lot yeah. of this is over Christmas or over yeah. it, it is like the best part of it's, the month since we did a live show true, and this has all yeah. happened during that time it's been a sad it's been a sad month but um Dickinson was the first person to win the Carnegie Medal twice, uh, was nominated for it nine times and I think very much deserved the OBE that he was awarded for his services to literature. So again, our sympathies go out to his four children and his wife. Uh, An author that you probably also have heard of called Robin Robin McKinley. And moving on from the sad news, um, Danish author, um, oh God, Jan, 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 I actually yeah. don't know. Yeah. It'll be, if, forgive us, uh, we'll go with <laughs> Jana Teller. Uh, her young adult novel, Nothing, is to be made into an opera. Ooh. An opera Ooh. by the Glyndenborn Youth Opera. Uh, Glyndenborn. That one I can do. Glyndenborn. Okay. <laughs> that one uh nothing is the tale of a boy who climbs a tree after declaring that life has no meaning as the boy's friends attempt to prove him wrong they discover a deeper and darkest truth uh opera yeah wow i'm I'm excited because it's not something that you see done much nowadays Mm. uh the opera version's been adapted by the novel uh, by composer David Bruce who also adapted Philip Pullman's The Firework Maker's Daughter so mm. it's promising and will be directed by Bijan Shaybani who's better known for his work on War Horse and Ghost of Those Who Return so it's in safe hands yeah it sounds it, like obviously War Horse was massive massive, massive, massive. success um, and I think it, it shows that we're going to get some interesting vi- visuals obviously yes. War Horse is famous for the puppetry absolutely. and object manipulation Yes, so absolutely. Hopefully, going to be really interesting. It sounds. It sounds view. like it's it's going to be a nice thought thought on yeah. production. Um, so, yeah. looking forward to seeing what the reviews are on that. Absolutely. The next piece of news is actually a bit of a surprise in that it looks like it's already happening. Um, Cassandra yes. Clare her, uh, with the her the Mortal Instruments series. It's been made in. There's a te- well. There, they made a film yes a while ago it wasn't Which very fans, well received yeah fans kind of looked at and went it mm, didn't yeah, no. visually it was interesting but it I didn't have the it. soul of the story yeah, I think I it, liked it, it visually it was a fun sort of action romp yeah. but it was missing a lot of the yeah. heart I think I think you can you can miss things out in screen adaptations as long as you keep the soul of, of what is there and yeah. it, it, it fell short of that um, the reason that I'm saying I'm, I'm kind of surprised by this is this uh, they've adapted it into a TV series which is already available on Netflix didn't know about it. I, I, that's, I pretty much only watch Netflix. So do, does anyone know if it's on Netflix UK? I think... Or is it just Netflix? I think well, it's ne- in ne- US, if, you, if you don't see. have Netflix, finding out what's on Netflix is almost impossible. But I have Netflix and it has never come up on my recently added or no, trending no. So I don't think me. it's available in the UK just no. yet. Uh, the show has be, been shown in the US and on the ABC Family Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, episodes are released weekly, so oh. I think... One of them. See, yeah. Netflix are doing that now. The series that they're creating and certain other series as well that are big names, they release them weekly. But the issue is, after the second week, I forget and then have to marathon it anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it'll be there for a while anyway. So I'm but- very interested what they're going to do with it because what has been sent as to the... Well, basically, the blurb of what the TV show is about. The first line, I'd say, is away, a massive spoiler. Yeah, it gives away basically something that you find out in the third book. Yeah, like yeah, way and down. It's a big. It's not only a big part to that book. It is a big part to explaining what we've learned about the rest Clarion, of the story and everyone else so yeah. based on that I'm interested to see what they're doing with the TV show that that is the first thing they tell yeah. you about it so I might almost recommend if it is a story that you're interested in and you are the sort of person that books are really important and a, a screen adaptation could ruin it for you I'd maybe wait until you've read it um Okay, I maybe I didn't love the books, and I stopped at book three because I I just didn't I, get into it. But I I liked the world. It's an amazing idea. Yes, yes and it's I a very good. I really world. like the world, and I liked some of the characters, and I definitely like the way she writes. I think some of the plot choices for me were a bit weak, but this is just my personal. Yeah, I 
my thing with it was because I've, I've I think I got to halfway through book five and I will finish them at some yeah. point just I got to halfway through book five and realized that other books were on the pile were, were more important yeah. I personally think there was no issue with you stopping on book three because I think book three was where that story ended I yeah it felt like book yeah. four was created to fill the plot holes that were not plot holes but questions that were asked in the first three books but not answered i think the story had finished a lot of it was because it has a massive fan base because you know it is a great world it just is yes yes, Um, yes. and 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 like the the legacies that it creates are very interesting the history behind them is very interesting and people loved them and i think I have to say, for me, this is probably one of those classics my editor is pushing for another book or two. Yeah, what or I'm can I do? Yeah, what can I do to make sure that my readers are still getting some interesting information, uh, but I don't kind of ruin what I've done with yeah. the arc of the story? Encourage fan fiction? Well, let the world continue to exist, but don't. But, but yeah, I think let, let almost hand it over. Yeah. Well, what what she did instead was write another couple of books and then create a prequel series. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Oh, Ooh, did you not? No. Which, oh. which, looping back around to the Game of Thrones, is apparently what may happen with the Game of Thrones TV series. They're planning on now eight series and possibly a prequel. Ooh. Interesting. Mm. Ooh. Uh, it, I think it's called, and forgive me if I get it wrong, the Mortal Devices. So it's the Mortal Instruments and the Immortal okay, Devices. Um, and it's set um, for what I remember sort of in Victorian times and it's a very similar storyline so there's a girl and there's the shadow hunters and mm. and she doesn't quite know what her legacy is we're learning about the world through Pretty someone much. who is new to um, it but it explores some of the um, things that are mentioned during the, the Mortal Instruments series um, and it sort of gives a, a, a perspective from, from another time about what they did and how they went about their business. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's it's a great series. I look forward to seeing what the um, Shadow Hunters series on Netflix will do. Oh yes, because it's called the Shadow Hunters. Sorry, it, w- yes. it won't be called the Mortal Instruments. It's yes. called the Shadow Hunters. Yes. Um, um, yeah, interesting to see what they do and if they address what people's issues were with the film. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Next. E. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's excited. <laughs> I am. Um, Terry uh, Terry Pratchett, uh, as someone, it has adapted another one of Pratchett's kind of uh, stories for theatre. Um, you say someone, it's Stephen Biggs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who does Stephen all Biggs, as we know, has worked a lot with Pratchett, and so again, this is a this is someone who's yeah. going to really hands. be be yeah, safe hands using and part of the soul of these stories um the shakespeare codex is to debut at the unicorn theater again the unicorn theater um it's in oxfordshire nice thing because all, it's all 21 of them yeah. of the the, yeah. the, the terry pratchett based de- plays have debuted at april, that theater you say which april. is the shakespeare 400 celebrations you say yeah <laughs> oh it's almost it's <laughs> almost like it's thought out um uh yeah it's kind of drawn draws inspiration from Pratchett's books The Science of Discworld to the Globe and Lords and Ladies Lords and Ladies Lords and Ladies also <laughs> Lords also, and ladies. also 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 Shakespeare's <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream and yeah uh, Lords and Ladies if there are anyone who has read Lords and Ladies I didn't stop giggling my bum off like the whole the whole time I was reading it it's really funny really entertaining and it, it, it has a lot of inspiration for that book has clearly come from Shakespeare to Midsummer Night's Dream so I think that's a wonderful novel to pair alongside um, The Science of Discworld to the globe. Um, so, so, so excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't cottoned on until your excitement. Yeah. I, it's, I, oddly enough, um, the information we have doesn't mention anything regarding tickets. I don't know if they are on sale yet, if they will be on sale. Um, so we can't keep, keep talking. We can't I'll have a look. Tell you that. Yeah. Producer Al uh, is on the case um, because it's she's It's going magic. to be in April. Yeah. Uh, so we know it's April. The Unicorn Theatre in Oxfordshire is the Shakespeare Codex. Uh, if we can't find it, we'll try and put a link on our Facebook because we are on Facebook and we are on Twitter and we are on mm-hmm. Tumblr. So just look at. Um, for at Radio Bookworm and you should find us and if you want to send us a message or make comments or tell us off for you know um, 
not been awesome enough. That's never going to happen. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is Wednesday the 6th to Saturday the 9th of April. Oh, fantastic. Wednesday the 6th to Saturday the 9th. That's quite a short run. No, it is quite short. Um, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things, though. It's a studio theatre, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, stu- a studio theatre. B, it's quite a short run but ultimately <laughs> i think the more the big thing that's coming from this is the fact that there is another terry pratchett play in the world i think i think what they've done is they've oh, always the, the, introduced the descriptions them magic. yeah <laughs> and then and then they all have they publish like the 21 them. the um They'll adaptations have all gone been released worldwide oh absolutely so this is this is not going to be any different most um, most actors at some point in their career um have been involved in a, a terry pratchett play because they're brilliant i mean from a stage manager's point of view they are mental i think weird <laughs> weird sisters has 23 scene changes Gosh. i think um masquerade can, is similar can, can <laughs> i just tell you what the what the little um sort of masthead thing says no um uh, an adventure in disc and time <laughs> yay oh <laughs> So, oh, so um, continuing on the theatre run, <laughs> I'm squeeing. <laughs> um, these are news that frankly should not be news, but hey, uh, we're going to mention it anyways. Um, J.K. Rowling, the, the the lovely and awesome, um, has responded to um, to some comments on the casting for the um, Harry Potter. Um, and the Cursed Child theatre production um, by by tweeting and her tweet says um, Canon, brown eyes, frizzy hair and very clever. White skin was never specified. Rowling loves black Hermione. Now now, the the, the casting of um, Noma Dumaswani as Hermione has, has um, sort of raised some eyebrows and questions. I personally don't give two craps <laughs> it's awesome um, it's not an issue no um, i don't think it's an issue i know harry harry potter is one of those things where because and don't get me wrong i am one of them i am so possessive of my feelings and my memories of these books and i think everybody who is a fan feels the same way oh, absolutely people get, it's the same reason people get annoyed with the film they have an idea films sorry they have an idea in their head it's and it's like. so strong oh, and it's such a big ingrained part that you kind of you can't conceive of it being done differently yes and so because of that some people are like well that's not how i see it and then are taking those feelings too far and getting angry about it and i think I it's see, fine it's, to not say a thing. it's it, not an issue it's fine to say oh i hadn't thought of that it grates with the idea i had but you know let's give it a chance because this is actually a, like an awesome casting and and yeah it, you know the the whole cast is probably going to do an amazing job because let's face it it's Harry Potter. Yeah, they will have picked the best actors mm-hmm. for those roles based on the creative team's ideas of what they want to create. And, and considering it's Harry Potter, they've probably had their pick of every actor in Britain. In, in yeah. the world. Yeah. Like, uh, they, and not to mention... Yeah, not, not to mention J.K. Rowling's input. And, mm. you know, people, she's the writer. She created them. Shut up. <laughs> um, just, 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 just bringing just, back round to the Terry, Terry Pratchett again. Oh, okay. Uh, tickets are ten or eleven pounds, depending on when you want to go and go on sale from the tenth of January. Oh, we I will, love studio as you say, production. Put, we will, as you say, put links on the thing. Yes. social media. Yeah. And we actually will do it this time because I now have time. Yay! <laughs> and last piece of news. Um, you it, can take this one. <laughs> oh, I'm gee. done. I'm Thanks. so done. There's, there's, there is more news on the next page. I have to say, but. It's, uh, sad pu- sad, sad They still exist. Whatever, dude, move on. Hasn't it been nearly a year? Isn't the next round going to come around? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sad Done. puppies keep being sad. Is, is the news. <laughs> <laughs> sad puppies are still sad. Are so sad. Um, so apparently the news is George R. R. Martin tried to to extend the olive branch. You know, we're all writers here. We all want the best for the for the market and for our readers. Uh, and on the other side, someone with a flamethrower went, "No, keep your olive branch. We don't want. We shall never surrender." Uh, and this person is mostly. Uh, John C. Wright, uh, whose comment was, perhaps Mr. Martin can see a means whereby the host and the parasite that forever seeks to destroy the host can coexist in peace. I, for one, cannot. Hmm. Wasn't, oh, it's because it's been such a long time, memory is, is fading. Was John C. Wright one of the first big voices on this anyway? Wasn't, oh, yeah. wasn't John C. Wright the one that actually almost is the reason why 
ev- everyone the became aware sad. of the kickoff. <laughs> the puppies are um, sad. Oh, just anyways, we 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 don't hold to the sadness. We are happy that the Hugos are expanding. We are happy that there's many um, new mediums that have been explored for awards, uh, new writers, a lot of diversity. That's what we like. That's what we want. It's only good for the readers because mm-hmm. the work produced is much much varied and and to be fair the quality is just outstanding so sad puppies boohoo keep being sad we'll keep being happy everybody's <laughs> happy anyway moving on moving yeah. on um right things right things if you, we know a lot of people who listen to this show uh, are writers or they're trying to be writers or trying to get put or written things they're just trying to get them published so here's your chance yeah oh where is cash, that cash in on bottom, the bottom of the page the keep on scrolling keep on scrolling there's nothing there there's nothing there there's nothing okay. on my page um, we're, we're all at the <laughs> moment having a slight uh, normally slight we issue. have reams of paper which is, <laughs> is wonderful but the printer is broken and um, <laughs> neither neither mine nor Ninfa's phone are it's loading <laughs> Okay, so let me, tell, let me tell you that Glans, tell us, tell us yeah. all about Glans um, ha, have direct submissions. Um, if you were at the Glans Festival in Manchester or London, um, so yes. towards the tail end of last year, you'll remember they had a whole new writer section and they're keen to encourage um, debut authors. Um, so, yeah, submissions are open from the 4th, which is tomorrow, to the 22nd of January. Or the 26th of January, as, as Ed has put it on the news thing, which is weird. <laughs> um, they are only accepting physical submissions, this which is oh. interesting. Um, yeah, um, basically, first 50 pages and a synopsis and a letter where you sell yourself, in summary, is what they want. Is that, um, do you think that's maybe because of the rise of internet publishing? Possibly. Whereas now kind of showing, maybe trying to get people more... More in I suppose terms if you're of how it it, used to if work, you're, if you're willing to spend the money on on the cost of printing fifty pages and, and posting and posting all the rest of it, then you've at least got some sort of serious intent. I suppose to send them any old nonsense amount lying be, around in your in your partially written box. It could just be yeah. a way to call submissions yeah. from people that aren't really that bothered. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like the producer, producer there has outside. to be a reason. Yeah, like no. producer Al said, if you're maybe, going to... maybe it's one of those things of, of it's just easier for them to read stuff on a piece of paper. I, I prefer reading stuff on a piece of paper to on a screen most of the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say, oh, weirdly, they've cut our printing budget, so <laughs> can you print it, it for us? Yeah, if you could send way. it with a highlighter as well, that would be appreciated. Two A two A four mark copies. Um, <laughs> yes, they will only consider um, SF fantasy horror or ya crossover novels they must be complete and more than eighty thousand words intriguingly they will consider previously self-published works ah because that was part of what i was wondering like what counts as a debut author nowadays because you can self-publish is does that oh yeah like i i think actually just the term debut author is uh, like fluid now. Mm, mm. I I am actually quite glad because I know that a lot of the issues with self-published authors are the fact that they can't get books, and a lot of them will print like physical copies. Um, they can't get them in the shops because they don't have the the required marketing and PR mm, yeah. um, to to do it. Which means that yes, they may have sold you know. 5,000 copies of the books online but nobody has it like physically physically yeah. um, because they can't get it they don't have a Kindle they you yeah. know all of this because yes there are still people that prefer to buy the physical book and not everyone's going to be E.L. James are they because no. yeah. that's that's how those started wasn't it it's just yeah. because since Kindle you don't need to go through publishers to publish now yeah. you can E.L. James started as a fanfic she started as a fanfic I believe on fanfiction.net yeah. she, then... she, she pulled to publish um, because she got a publishing deal from it but uh, my understanding is that she was very savvy with the way she updated it on, on the fanfiction mm. site is that, in that she had very regular updating schedule yeah. um, I believe the first Fifty Shades of Grey book um, when it was on fanfiction yes. ran to about 150 odd chapters or something yeah. so there's a mm. frequent updating thing and, and sort of getting people really involved in it and she was really quite savvy on the marketing and PR yeah. side of it yeah. herself uh, before it she helps. then scraped the VIN numbers off it does um, and then changed the name meant that that became a physical book eventually yeah. it's like is it Hugh Harry I want to say Hugh Harry Hugh Harry from Wool and yeah yeah just start off stuff with things you can still um print yourself a physical book can't you to, to sell a um um a, 
events and conventions and things, that service is still available and they will get you an ISBN, I believe, as well. Yeah. But obviously, there's a cost implication for that, which yeah. if you are um, doing it on your own, might be it's insurmountable. Mm. But yeah, it's it's really good news, and I hope a lot of uh, a lot of self-published <coughs> people will take the chance because you know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, Do it, uh, Jennifer Armentrout. Um, she self-published, I think, her first series of books, and her success was so big that that she got picked up. Like yeah, big, there's, there's, big the, the, money, the, there's the uh, one for the next series. They didn't republish the old one, uh, but they took on like two new projects for the big box. Is she the woman in America who does gives you the first book for free and the rest of them you have to buy? There's a uh, woman in America who gives you the first book for free and it's, in a, it's a series, and then the rest of them you have to buy, and the price kind of a little bit escalates. That's mm. very cleverly done. Mm. Yeah. She's that's made an absolute I, fortune. That's how I've got hooked on several TV box sets because the first series was exceptionally <laughs> cheap in HMV, and so I was like, "Oh!" And then I loved it. But like next series, oh, that's lots of pounds. But I want it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I take my money. It's a gateway so, job. so go lands. If you've got a manuscript ready and it's over eighty thousand words, sci-fi, um, young adult crossover, uh, dystopian, anything like that will do. Um, print out your first 50 pages write a nice letter telling them why you're really awesome and why the market's <laughs> going to love this do your synopsis chapter by chapter tell them what it is don't hold back on spoilers it's not how it works <laughs> um, and good luck to everyone yeah, yeah. Uh, again we'll put all the links to this on social media and if script writing is more your thing um, then there are currently an absolute shed load of opportunities via the BBC Writers Room which again we'll put all the links to so depending on, on what flavour of script you write uh, especially worth noticing if you're local to us in Manchester the, the Bolton Octagon um, especially appears to be encouraging genre pieces at the moment there you go. Have we finished the news? Have yes, we? Have uh, we I, I don't know you're the only one and most of the we're, show. We're, we're, we're only, you know, six minutes over. <laughs> Woo! That's, That's all right. very good for us. So we'll be back with my um, review uh, just after the break. Welcome back to the Bookworm on Fab Radio International, sponsored by Sturbast Magazine. Um, I'm Nympha Hayes. You've just missed the news. Like, <laughs> all, all oh, 35 all minutes of the news. <laughs> and if you haven't missed it, how good was it? <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, my book for today is Magnus Chase and the Sword of Summer by Rick Riordan. Uh, Rick, um, Rick Riordan is um, mostly known for his Percy Jackson series, which is amazing, uh, and I very much love. Um, so when Magnus Chase, uh, when the book uh, sort of came out i was very very excited to pick it up i got it for christmas and i read it in like two days um it's it's you know it's about um 500 pages so i did really well with that um so what's the story um magnus is been um living um on the streets of boston for the last two years since his mother was murdered by a giant wolf um now obviously he hasn't told anybody that because he, they would think he's completely bonkers um he's he's um, obviously run away from home and following her mother's advice hasn't contacted uh, anybody else from his family he's got two uncles uh one of them um has a daughter which we know very well from Percy Jackson series which is Annabeth Chase um, oh, I love Annabeth um, so so Magnus has been living on the streets um, with um, very very little help uh, but he's managed you know he's he's um, a resourceful um, boy uh, and uh, today he turns 16 and today he's going to die <laughs> Oh. oh, it is very unfortunate, <laughs> and, and I'm not even—I'm not even spoiling it. I mean, this is on the back, on the back page. It says, "If fire giant attacking the city, immortal warriors hacking each other to pieces, unkillable wolves with glowing eyes—it's all coming up." But first, I'm going to die. This is the story of how my life goes downhill from there, and it does. So. Um, if you're familiar with with the worlds of of Percy Jackson um, um, and the the Heroes of Olympus series, um, there's there's 
gods and the gods like to frolic and go um, down to earth and hook up with mortals. Um, for the Percy Jackson series, it's the Greek gods and then it moves on to the um, to the um, Roman gods and then you have um, the the Egyptian gods in another trilogy um, and and this is about the Norse gods. These cheeky, cheeky gods. I know, right? It's like all of them. It's like they just like to frolic. <laughs> what is it about gods and frolicking? I, I have no idea. But but there is that that meme going around the internet where basically you know with the pie chart going, um, there's 99 percent of all Greek <laughs> tragedies are caused because this kid couldn't keep it in his pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So so uh, Magnus has no idea. Um, that what what his legacy is um, until um, as I've just read at the back um, he's forced to fight um, this this giant fire demon and and to fight him he has to retrieve uh, a sword that his dad lost two thousand years ago um, and nobody knows where it's gone uh, actually he finds it and it's in uh, in a river in Boston um, oh yeah as you do yeah yeah, yeah. Yep, I'd yep. have left it there. Yeah, I'd have left it. No there one too. would look. No, oh, clever. of course not. No, there's a whole history of the Vikings coming to America and how they they were f- one of the first ones to sort of visit America. Blah blah blah. It's really interesting. It's really well done. Um, the 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 plot sort of escalates because obviously you think, oh, so he dies. Yes, but it's not that easy because you know what happens to any heroes of, of Viking descent that die. Um, there's two two ways you can go. Mostly, you either go to the halls of Freya. Uh, or Frigg or Frey or however you want to call it Uh, Mm. or you go to Valhalla to the halls of Odin Odin and then you you Valhalla is not the end you know you keep training there because one day when Ragnarok the end of the world doomsday uh, arrives you will be fighting at the side of the old old father um, against the hordes of of you know um, the the giants and fire giants from from the other realms now um if you have read Percy Jackson um, and you're thinking, oh, is this going to be just the same? The formula is there. You know, a young boy against all odds, has no idea about his legacy, uh, gets thrown into this supernatural, godly world. He's a demigod, has no idea what he's doing, but, you know, he'll learn. He's got some help. Um, Magnus has um, help in the form of two homeless guys that have been taking care of him <laughs> and that he later discovers were a little bit more than just homeless guys. Uh, one's called Hearth and the other one's called Blitz. Uh, and then he's Valkyrie. Um, Sam, uh, who also has a bit of a history. Um, yes, the formula is there, and, and you know, some of the tropes are there, but what he does with mythology is still really fresh, is still really engaging. Uh, amazing sort of action scenes, really thoughtful um, personalities and, and backstories, and just the the amount of, of legends and myths that he weaves into this book is just incredible. I, I love the Percy Jackson series. I've reviewed it before. Um, I loved um, the Cain Chronicles, which is the Egyptian ones. I love the Heroes of Olympus, which involves the, the Roman side of the gods. Uh, they're all clever. They're all really interesting. They're incredibly well written and incredibly detailed. Um, if you've got a, a young person in your life, anyone above the age of 10 could pick up these books and completely fall in love with the world Uh, i'm 40 this year and i still love it so i think it's one of those where uh, if you enjoy a good story lots of action um mythology in particular um and just brought into like modern life and the modern world uh with a lot of clever twists definitely definitely pick it up i absolutely loved it um i knew i would i knew as soon as i as I saw that Rick Riordan had a new book out that I would I would pick it up and I knew exactly how, how great it would be. Um, so this is Magnus Chase and the Sword of Summer by Rick Riordan. Uh, it's uh, part of the Epic Heroes and Legendary Adventures series and it's published um, by... Um, Penguin? Penguin, yeah. of course it is. Across the world, 
Welcome back. This is indeed Fab Radio International and you're listening to The Bookworm. Um, thanks for, for tuning in and Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I'm Del. Today I'm going to be talking to you about Michael Grant's Gone. Gone is the first book in a six-part series called The Gone Series. Um, each one of them has a one-word title. So Gone leads to hunger, leads to lies, leads to plague, leads to fear, leads to light. Um, which one you say is in that sort of sentence is actually mm. quite... Uh, there's an arc yes, in that yes. sentence. Um Michael Grant, um, potentially a name people have heard of because Michael Grant, um, Michael Grant is married to Catherine Applegate and co-wrote the Animorphs and the yes. Everworld series. So I know people my age know Animorphs because that was that was fiction when we were growing up. Um, that that was YA fiction when I was a YA. Mm. Um, and then when I know when I was younger as well, there was a TV series. Um, it isn't that story, which uh, is 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 nice. This was a birthday present from um, a very dear friend, actually, who because I'm the sort of person if someone gives me a book as a present they've picked that book for me because they think that I will enjoy it or they think I'll gain something from it from it so I don't read the blurb and (laughs) well I'm like ultimately um I'm I'm gonna read the story aren't I um so yeah I didn't read the blurb before reading this book and it was kind of interesting in that for the the writing style it became apparent quite quickly that it was definitely young adult fiction um so that was nice but it was really nice that every now and then you get a story that you don't know anything about and you get to read it knowing nothing about it mm. and you get like all the all the twists and turns or actual twists and turns um whenever i review a book from the show the first thing i do is kind of ask myself like what is this story um in its simplest form this is the story of ultimately humanity in a completely novel situation but in familiar surroundings um a lot more to it than that but it's kind of we look into this idea of naturally kind of orders that well the natural order of things that occur in in a novel situation but in familiar surroundings um and people kind of learning their places but ultimately uh, what I took most from this story is is the nature of of children, basically. The the actual story of Gone, um, one day, and not even one day. Like it's not that they wake up in in a slightly different world. They are in class. Everything is functioning as it should be, and then literally the adults are gone and then once i kind of got further into the story i actually remember talking to my friend about this and when he said that i was like oh a bit like between because there's a series on netflix called between and it's very very much not that story so if you've ever picked up this book and thought oh well that sounds like a tv series i watch it's not pick this book up um between is about a virus that kills everyone over the age of well 22 and above in gone literally anyone who is 15 just disappears um and that is actually how we are brought into the story there is no lead into this situation we don't learn about the characters we don't learn about this place the only thing we ever know about this world is from when this happens um the (laughs) the first line or the first kind of bit the, the story starts chapter one 299 hours 54 minutes one minute the teacher was talking about the civil war and the next minute he was gone there gone no poof no flash of light no explosion so that is how we are brought into this story the crisis has already occurred um and we're we're there and in the thick of it so we're learning about these characters almost as as they're learning about themselves um 
what I would was expecting from that beginning was about how kids try and like create a society and and how we we learn to live in this world together. Um, like what well, again? While I was growing up, there was a program called The Tribe, which oh, God, was I yeah, love the tribe I love so The Tribe, um, New Zealand TV series. Uh, I was thinking about The Tribe when you were talking about yeah, because obviously in The Tribe is they all just um, die, don't yeah. they? Grown ups basically die. There's some yeah. sort of virus. Yeah, I was going to say go, it was viral. Wasn't yeah, it? it's it's people then go insane and try start killing each other and yeah. then the kids decide to basically they they, they form their they own form society. their own factions and societies depending on what places they found because there's the kids that live in like the the, the shopping center yeah. there's the kids that live in the in the coast there's just the kids that live in the forest and they've all adapted to where they were when they were left alone yeah and how they could exploit that so this is not it it's it has elements of that obviously it's a group of children and because of the fact that this is quite young as well 15 yeah. like any anyone who is 15 or more it is gone um that leaves us with a very very young world well yeah um but not only that they have electric but there is no connectivity um, so things like the, the the city that these guys are from, they're from Perdido Beach. Mm. Um, it has a power plant and the power plant is st- appears to still be working. So they've got electric, they have a functioning world, um, but there's no connectivity. There's no internet. They have no phone signal. Later on in the story, you find out kind of why that there's no signal. Um, but they are they are cut off um and it kind of starts with this idea of the fact that natural leaders emerge and we have that in our main character sort of there's a lot more to it than that the development of a leader but ultimately it's not because this boy steps up to be the leader he just happens to be the boy that most of the children look to um because they previously have there is a warning on the back of this book that says contains scenes of cruelty and some violence in YA you get a lot of violence I mean things like Magnus Chase oh god that yeah. you're talking about there's probably like he, some swashbuckling and, and things there's, there's um, yeah there's beheading and, and yeah. you know there's limbs but I mean take this, the Hunger Games young adult doesn't get any more violent than that yeah this <laughs> is actually not, not no, even though I have <laughs> Even though I had reader. read this warning of this contains cruelty and violence, I was not expecting this story. And I think what Michael Grant has done very well is tapped into the fact that actually, while it sounds horrible, children have an innate cruelty mm. to them. Lord um, of the Flies, do Exactly, yeah. Oh. There's there's some Lord oh. of the Flies. Um, if you think, like, when you were younger, if you were in a house with a friend, every now and then kids get territorial. And if you're in their house, some kids are mean. And I remember doing it to some people as well. Um, there, there is a cruelty in children. But if there are no adults to keep that cruelty in check, that cruelty just keeps snowballing and, and boundering. And there's actually some really really awful moments in this book um bullying is is hard at the best of times bullying is a difficult thing to read about this is bullying but with um certain amount of extremity and um, one of the things i like about what michael grant has done is sometimes people are too scared to make a character that's just evil um they they try and not justify it but give you the reasons behind where that that kind of evil streak has come from um because that that makes them human um, Michael Grant has created a character that is actually just, he's just broken. He's not even one of the main characters. He's not one of the kids that's vying for, for leader or, or alpha male. But this kid is actually scary as an adult. I was sat there just reading the story, just thinking, I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. And I'm nearly 30. And this kid, I think he's 13 or 14. And it's like this idea of just a wall of cruelty and and evilness is is terrifying um there's a lot of suspense it is thrilling it is a really really good story um and yeah i definitely didn't get what i was expecting because while this is young adult fiction yeah they've they've tapped into the fact that actually this this is it's quite real because kids can be mean in that situation yeah some kids are going to be some kids are going to be horrible and some kids are going to be mean um there is some things of like con- unseen consequences for actions and something like a child does because they're told to do it 
um, actually leads to a, a child's death um, and then how do, how do you cope with that again there are no adults to look after you or kind of counsel you through that situation it's it's a, it's a really good story really awesome um, even though I was a little bit sick in my mouth when it did <laughs> it did include the, like there's a boy obviously there was, as I said no internet so a boy goes to the library because he needs to find something else and there is a line he found a set of encyclopedias like Wikipedia but paper and very bulky and I was like no but actually needed <laughs> actually necessary um and then like a bit later on it's like under- he understood but he's like understanding enough to follow another lead and then another it was exactly like following hyperlinks only slower and with more lifting <laughs> i absolutely loved and thought it was brilliant um me and Ninfa had an interesting conversation. This book apparently really appeals to nephews. Yes, um, they do. Yeah. I wonder why. Ninfa's 11-year-old nephew read it and loved it. My 15-year-old nephew has loved it and read it. I read it and loved it. I would definitely read the rest of the series. One of the wonderful things about genre young adult fiction is that adults don't worry about reading it. There's mm. no stigma to that. No. Um, and, yeah, I think it is a fantastic story, which I've potentially concentrated too much on the cruelty of but there are real characters i knew all of these children when i was at school i think i maybe know where i would have been in that situation <laughs> you were the main kid uh, no 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 <laughs> you were the kid in the library lifting the encyclopedia <laughs> i'll sit in the library and it'll all go away <laughs> um yeah it's it's um touching at times scary at times sad at times but always always entertaining um so that was michael grant's gone which is the first book in the gone series it's from electric monkey which i'm not going to lie as a publisher i've never heard of and sometimes that's why it's quite helpful to have ed around because ed is like a a book savant and would know who they were we'll we'll find it yeah so yeah electric monkey gone michael grant fantastic should be on your shelf or on your i have read it list the world 24 hours a day this is fab radio international this is fab radio international What can I say? It's been three weeks. Oh, well... Hey, employment people. <laughs> this has been the first show of 2016 of the Bookworm on Fab Radio International. I've been your host, Nympha Hayes. And I've been Del. Thanks for listening, everyone. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab, Radio International and Starburst Magazine, presented by Nympha Hayes and Rebecca Derrick, produced by Anne Davis. <gasps> <Woo-hoo! laughs>